0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. And you're welcome back to The Last Word. Brian Lloyd from entertainment.ie is with us. Brian, there's only one movie I Mm. think most people want to see this week, and it is The Return of Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny one of my favourite movies as a kid was Raiders of the Lost Ark and it hasn't, I don't think it's gotten back to that kind of thing does this get anywhere close to it? It does a bit, I will say that it does a
1: bit, I mean certainly James Mangold the director of it has said that you know the touchstone for this was Raiders of the Lost Ark and they were trying to kind of I suppose correct some of the issues if for lack of a better word uh, with Indiana Jones and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull specifically they reference the fact that Indiana Jones is well over the hill by now. I mean, let's not split hairs about this. Harrison Ford is 80 years of age, and his age is showing. There is no denying it. Yes, there is a 20-odd minute segment at the start where they use that kind of DH thing, and he does look kind of dead behind the eyes when they're doing that, like they still haven't got that technology right yet. But once you it passed that and then goes into the sort of present of the film, which is 1969, we're back to the the Harrison Ford that we know. And the film does play with that. It does play with the fact that he is over the hill, that he is not as fast or as strong as he ever once was. But I think that's kind of in keeping with the DNA of Indiana Jones. And it does, it's in stark contrast to, you know, your Marvels and your DCs is that, you know, Indiana Jones was this character that was vulnerable. He was very much inclined to take a beating from nazis or you know indian shaman or whoever it was that he was fighting on that particular story of the week and in this as well you know harrison ford well indiana jones rather he is older so when he gets beaten it hurts him more when he has to run he's not running as fast but that again
0: plays into the vulnerability of it looking at the cast of it and they've obviously had a change of director as well Steven Spielberg not doing this one but mm. bringing in Phoebe Waller-Bridge has that worked? I think so yeah I mean definitely she has the kind of dry wit and the sort of icy
1: humour that plays well with Harrison Ford generally speaking um, yeah I think she's good foil I mean there is the whole sort of thing of like youth and cynicism in the film she plays as goddaughter she's also an archaeologist as well so there's that kind of I guess connectivity with it um, Mads Mickelson, fair play to him. The man understood the assignment. He was basically, I've got a North European accent. I've got a very big jaw. Turn me into I'm, a Nazi. Turn me into a Nazi and I'll put the glasses on and I can goose step across the screen with the best of them. And that's he, that's very much it. He knows his assignment there is just to get bopped in the face by Harrison Ford and he plays it well. Same with Boyd Hallbrook as well. He plays this kind of Alabama, very thinly
0: racist uh, henchman as well. So, yeah, it's perfect. Let's have a listen to a clip from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Death. See, and here is Indiana Jones and his goddaughter Helen, Sh- Helen Shaw, played by Phoebe Waller Bridge, and they're trying to escape from. Well, part of the plot: Archimedes' tomb. Under the moon, life lies at her feet. Water displacement.
1: Help me! But <coughs> the meat is just fascinating. Why? What is this displacement?
0: If we forget about the Kingdom of the Crystal uh-huh. Skull, if you forget about that, where does this one stand with the other three movies?
1: I if we were doing rankings then, I would go for myself, I would go Raiders of the Lost Ark, Last Crusade. I would put this in third, I'd put Temple of Doom or sorry, I'd put Kingdom of the Crystal Skull in fourth place and then I'd put Temple of Doom in fifth. I hate Temple of Doom.
0: <laughs> I absolutely hate it. So I would well, the go much longer off air, but <laughs> yeah. As as a movie, there's a lot writing on this project. It's been there a is. good few years in the works, and as I said, bringing in Phoebe Waller-Bridge because she's on the writing team on this as well. She is, yeah, for a short
1: bit, yeah. And uh, Jez Butterworth, um, who wrote uh, Ford v Ferrari, which was directed by James Mangold as well, and James Mangold gets a screenplay credit on this as well. Yeah, there is a lot writing on it, but I mean, I think for Harrison Ford himself, this is the last, this is the last straw. Like, I mean, to be fair, I think he's been very open about the fact that you know, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was not what it wa- what it should have been. Certainly that monkey sequence with Shia LaBeouf was very, very mis, uh, misguided. But And, you know, the film doesn't make any reference to that whole sequence. It just kind of... It sort of pushes it off. It. Yeah. Well that's so much ignored it. Kind of a it kinda just buried relic Indiana Jones wouldn't want to find. That's kind of it. It writes it off in one sentence and you're kinda of like great, that's fine. That's all I need to know about that character and what happened there. So
0: yeah. This film is going to be released and it's the start of a big period ahead for all of the cinema mm. chains out there and for the screens as well, because you have lots of blockbusters, whereas this time last year you didn't, so Top Gun Maverick kinda of won last year. Mm. But you've got Indiana Jones coming out, you've got the new Mission Impossible, which they're plugging like mad mm-hmm. you've got barbie coming out and everybody seems to like the the early teases of it so mm. far and oppenheimer with killian murphy yeah
1: that's right and then also then you have further on from that you have like you know smaller little horror films like In- insidious the red door sorry the last door i think it's called or something like that so yeah i mean this is we're coming into prime blockbuster season now i mean certainly with the woes that warner brothers have been having i mean they really need Barbie to be a hit. They absolutely need Barbie to be a hit. Same goes for Paramount as well. Like, Paramount Plus is, you know, cost them a lot, a lot of money. So they need Dead Reckoning to make a big big chunk of money. Universal is in a little bit of a better financial position, I think. I mean, Oppenheimer was very much them trying to win over Christopher Nolan, trying to lure him away from Warner Brothers, because he's been with them since pretty much since he started. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely this is kind of crunch season for cinemas and for the studios as well. The box
0: office taking is for The Flash, which was the last big kind of release out there, and in the kind of su- the superhero, John, yeah. that has been appalling for, well, yes. enough, but, well, based on its budget and the expectations, it hasn't been great is that because it's The Flash, movie is not great, and all the issues around Ezra Miller? Or is it the fact that, well, look, this year, there's a whole lot of films out there, people may not be interested, and they might just want to see one, and not all of them. I mean, it's com- I think it's a combination of those things, and I think it's interesting as well, like
1: the most, uh, I would say, hotly anticipated films of this blockbuster season are two. I would class as original films Oppenheimer and Barbie. You know what I mean like no really I mean like okay yes fine Barbie is based on the plastic doll or whatever but I mean it's an original film it's an original concept it's Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Oppenheimer as well I mean that's Christopher Nolan that's a relatively original story if you like. Um I do think the, I mean look we could sit here all day and start talking about superhero fatigue and how it is really really a thing. Um but I do think, you know, the flash was coming to the screen with a kind of very much a tarnished kind of image. And the fact that they were planking, or sorry, they were, they were putting uh, Michael Keaton out forward, making him walk the plank for this and, you know, do all the kind of marketing stuff. Whereas Ezra Miller was kind of sidelined, even though he was supposed to be the lead in the film, you know. Um, but on top of that, then it wasn't, it was a, f- it was okay, it was a very okay film I mean the reviews were nowhere near as ecstatic as they hoped it would be um, I think on Ronald and the Manos I think it's about like I want to say it's at about 58 59% like it's on the cusp of like you know rotten and fresh
0: certainly I know for myself I give it three stars And Well DC are certainly they're locked into that superhero thing and they've, oh, yeah. announced, they've well they've confirmed this week the new Superman and Lois Lane having well having teased Henry Cavill coming back and then ditching him for somebody slightly younger we now have the names of the people who will play Superman and Lois. Yeah, David Corren
1: Sweat and Rachel Brosnahan. Rachel Brosnahan would be the more well-known of yeah. the two. people. Marvelous didn't? Mrs. Mabel. Correct, yeah, exactly, and that series just finished up uh, last month, I believe. Brilliant of it, really has the look, kind of, you know, both of them I think are evoking mark Marco Kidder and Christopher Reeve. David Corren Sweat, people might know him from The Politician which was a series on Netflix. He was also starring opposite Mia Goth in the great horror film Pearl. Uh, he was it- in
0: that HBO series he's the kind of precursor to the wire type of thing that came out. Yes
1: we own the city yeah. that's right yeah and he was in that as well but again bit of an unknown you know not terribly as recognisable as Rachel Brosnan but look both of them have to look especially him like he's got the big jaw he's got the hair so I'm not So fair. you're sold on I am sold I mean I, and to be honest as well I think the fact that James Gunn is writing and directing this I think he is able to give a kind of thoughtful and unique perspective to comic book characters obviously Guardians of the Galaxy is a good example of that so Suicide Squad as well was another example of that so I'm curious to see what he does with it but at the same time like we are just kind of people are just fed up with superhero films that's the reality Even Superman?
0: we'll see we'll see in 2025 I guess they're gambling on this as probably the start of a longer franchise because they, they are young, younger actors than Henry Cavill was when he started playing Superman definitely yeah I mean they do obviously The fa- I think David
1: Corenswet is 29 and I think Rachel Brosnan is 30, 31 so by the time this will come out they'll obviously be 33 and 34 and you know they could easily conceivably get another five, six, seven years of films out of them um, but I don't think they're trying to do the whole kind of shared universe thing that they tried to get going with Henry Cavill in. Ben Affleck I think that day is done now I think you know Marvel has kind of pushed that almost to one side if you know what I mean like they they are trying to kind of separate them out like you have Secret Invasion on Disney Plus and then you have the Ant-Man films and eventually you'll have Fantastic Four and X-Men and all the rest of it um, so I would think the best thing they could do for a Superman is to just leave it as a Superman trilogy or whatever it's going to be. They don't need to bring in Batman. They certainly don't need to bring in I don't know... The Flash. The Flash or Booster <laughs> Gold or any of those other DC superheroes. You can just leave it as Superman. I'll it can't it be a
0: movie sloth without talking about Paul Mescal, but also him and Kerry Condon are getting a little bit of an accolade I suppose, being invited in to join the Academy. What yeah, does that that's, involve? That essentially
1: means that they're now a member of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So that means then that they'll actually get a vote in the Oscars as well. Um, the Academy over the last like four or five years. Is this year-
0: like a really important thing or is there like thousands of members? Oh there's thousands of yeah yeah there's well i mean there's not thousands
1: i think there's something like i used to know the figure it was something like 800 or 900 but yeah they're basically have committed to increasing the academy is committed to increasing the number of members and they're specifically going after you know people of color queer actors and all the rest of it and that's good i mean that's also the good better representation and all the rest of it um but this get me into trouble has has paul mescal deserved it Oh, I don't know. I mean, look, as a fellow Norkel there, man, I must defend him. I have to defend his honour. Has he deserved it? Well, I mean, he's certainly... Go- I mean, look, he's going to be in Gladiator too. That's going to be massive when that comes out. He has d- served his time, I think, on TV, and he is now into films. Like, he was in Carmen recently. Before that, he was in The Lost Daughter, opposite Olivia Colman. So, yeah, I do think he's earned his stripes. Certainly Kerry Condon has. Yes. So, yeah, I think there are... I- I Yeah. I I don't think we're we're allowed to criticize Paul Minister. Brian Lloyd
0: from Entertainment.ie, thank you very much for joining us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4 30. Today